welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school, intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher will be available for purchase on Amazon.com on November 30th, 2021. You may also purchase signed copies from Angela's website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Buy your copy today. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm a special education teacher, the author of Gospel-Based Parenting and the Crunchy Kids series, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who's three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Tara Bouchard. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. All right, Tara, welcome um, to the podcast. And to get us started, would you please just share a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Yeah, so my name is Tara, and I am a homeschooling mom of eight kids. Um, I actually have three adult children that that are out of the house, so I'm still homeschooling five. Um, we actually are on our eighth year of homeschooling. I haven't always been a homeschooling mom. Uh, it has just been a journey as of the last few years that we have gone down that road. Uh, I've been able to have the privilege of working from home for the last 20 years, and so uh, homeschooling was kind of on my heart, uh, maybe not right away, but kind of in the middle of my journey of being at home. And then uh, after much research and life circumstances, it happened. And here we are. So that's me. (laughs) That's amazing. I, I think that is such a blessing to be able to have a house full of eight kids. I mean, wow, to homeschool eight children. I'm wondering what inspired you to homeschool? I know you said that wasn't your intention from the beginning. So what inspired that, I guess, you to start thinking about or considering homeschooling? So initially it started out with my older kids uh, dealing with a lot of bullying and social pressures and things like that, where I started to think about it. Um, I actually didn't really move into studying about homeschooling per se. Initially, we actually went into the online public school route because I thought that was like the next best thing. Uh, I had always envisioned that homeschooling was something completely different than what it actually is. And so I didn't dive into that initially, but that is really what started kind of the the push towards getting the kids home uh, was was that. And then um, when my third child was kind of going through his uh, high school years, uh, I just really started to notice some behavior changes with him as I had seen with my daughters, but I had just kind of thought like, this is just normal, right? This is normal teenager stuff. But then when I started to see him make the shift in, in personality, uh, along with my career, which I worked in mental health and, um, just everything just kind of started compiling on each other where like, I knew, um, that it wasn't normal, uh, and that it was just 
because these kids were thrown into situations that they couldn't handle and weren't mature enough Mm -hmm. to handle. And so it was, um, with him then that I really started to research, uh, homeschooling. And then, um, what actually pushed us over the edge was, um, when I had baby number seven, it was an unexpected birth diagnosis of down syndrome. And so, uh, when the kids were going to school, they were coming home with everything germs. Right. And he was always ending up in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. so that when I was actually in the hospital with him, I had lots of time to research. And then that's what, that's what eventually like just pushed us over then to actually homeschooling and best decision ever. So, yeah. Wow. What a journey. I think it's pretty remarkable that you have a background in mental health. And actually that's something I've been talking about for a long time um, because I'm actually a public school teacher. I've taught in the public schools. I've been a teacher for over 12 years now. And one of the things that has been really on my heart a lot is I think that people really underestimate the impact of schools on a child's mental health and well-being. Um, what kinds of things would you have you observed? I guess as someone who's coming from that perspective of looking at mental health, um, do you have concerns about public schooling related to children's mental health? Or yeah, so I actually, um, and I hope I don't offend you by saying this, as you are a public school teacher, have been a public school teacher, but. My experience has been um, just in watching my journey through typing because I'm a transcriptionist and so I've typed hundreds of thousands of reports at this point in time and we're, we're counting child psychology and psychological testing and all of that stuff in there. Right. Um, but that combined with my own journey and with watching my kids and things like that. And now talking, even as, uh, now that I'm in my forties and talking to adults, um, who still struggle with the situations that they dealt with in school, I truly believe that, uh, a vast majority of the, uh, mental health issues that we see, um, depression, anxiety, uh, eating disorders, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all of that is stemming from coming from the public school system and the pressures that kids um, feel to fit in um, and to want to dive in with, you know, people who will accept them. Um, And also just the, um, the pressure of, of comparison and being good enough and not good enough and the bullying. Um, I have a friend who still at 40, you know, two years old is still struggling with eating disorders because she was called fat throughout her whole, um, school experience. And so, uh, you know, if she would have been homeschooled, right. She would not have dealt with that kind of abuse and bullying in school. And so I, I truly believe that her adult life would look completely different had she not gone through the school system. And that is actually the case that I see even in my career, 20 years of my career, um, I'm seeing the kids that are struggling. And then I'm also seeing the adults who have now come to therapy um, and, and the issues that they are, they always come back to. Like when I was a teenager, when I was in school, mm-hmm. I was bullied. I was, you know, so that is really where like I, from my perspective and all of the different perspectives that I see, um, that's my opinion on it. I'm, you know, my opinion, I want to make sure like, that's my opinion, right? Like I don't have any scientific background or evidence. That's just my opinion based on my experiences and what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Well, and actually that does not offend me at all. Um, I'm working on a book right now. I've been, I've been writing it. I started writing it a couple of years ago and I kind of put it to the side, but I'm almost finished with it. Um, it's called toxic teaching, exposing the cycles of abuse within the school system. And, um, and that's exactly what I've been writing about because I feel like as a teacher, I've, been on the inside of the system that most parents don't have access to be able to see. And even as a teacher with the best of intentions of wanting to make a difference and wanting to be the best teacher that I could be, I still found myself interacting with children in ways that were harmful. And I started to see kind of those cycles of abuse that you were mentioning. I was seeing the bullying, not just between students, but even between teachers and students. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing, you know, harassment and seeing all these different things that were just so toxic. And, um, and even, you know, for me personally, I was, I was a great student. I mean, it's part of why I became a teacher because I loved school, you know, like I really liked school. I was good at school, you know, I always got good grades, but even that, like seeing how 
that pressure that you mentioned of always wanting to be the best and wanting to have good grades. It was just creating this anxiety in me and comparing myself to other people and seeing how like that really fostered, um, you know, depression in my own life, you know, and then beginning to see that ripple effect in other areas. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it's, it is, it's hard to, it's, it's a really hard truth to accept that even with the best of intentions, the system as a whole is just set up in such a toxic way that it, it fosters the, these toxic results, um, both in teachers and in our children. And what, an, what a wonderful blessing that you were able to kind of get your children out of that abusive environment, because you're right, you know, in the example of your friend, um, it, as adults, if we're in an abusive situation or an abusive relationship or whatever, we can leave, you know, Um, but so many kids are in these abusive environments within the public school system. And it's like, they have no way out. You know, the parents just think, oh, school is just what you do. And it doesn't matter that my kid's being bullied. It doesn't matter that my child's being harassed. It doesn't matter that my child's experiencing high levels of anxiety or stress or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, They just think that that's all that there is. And so that's part of why I created this podcast, because I'm like, I want parents to know they they have other options and you're not stuck in this toxic system. Um, 100%. And that is a big part of it. And I was just having this conversation with my daughter yesterday. I said, like, you know, when you look back to, you know, a a generation, like, I mean, they they had this zest for life and hard work and they were they were happy. And even though like they lived through the depression and things like that, like they were still like, they were thankful for everything that they had. And it was just a completely different view. And now it's, 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 if you're happy, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Now it's being normalized that you, you should be depressed or there's, there's something wrong with you. And I think that that is, you know, it's becoming such a toxic environment, um, for, for kids and now coming out of it. And it's just, that's normal. And it's normal for teenagers to be miserable and, and Mm -hmm. to, to talk back and to treat parents with disrespect. And it's like, it absolutely is not normal. We've normal normalize it as a society because we think that school is the only way when in fact it's not. And so many people don't understand the whole concept of homeschooling and unschooling and all of this, which, so I love um, that you're doing that. And so many people out there are doing this because I think it's so, so important to be able to, um, to, to, to try to rein in and like save our society. I know that sounds, um, that sounds dramatic, but it's really not. I mean, we have definitely, we've, we've normalized being miserable and it's like, what, why? <laughs> like we've got one life and like, we should love it. And I, and I, you know, I see so many parents like, Oh, you know, the kids doing this, like suck it up. And exactly what you said. And I tell that to people all the time. I'm like, if we were in an abusive relationship, we would leave or be told to leave. If we were um, in a work situation where our coworkers were harassing us and bullying us, we would be told to leave. And so I don't understand why parents have now normalized it as, oh, this is normal. They just need to suck it up. Like, I mean, we're throwing our kids to the wolves and then, and being okay with it. And we're justifying it because school is the only way, like, you know, as if school is the only way somebody can learn, like it just, it blows my mind. (laughs) No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I hope that if there's any parent that is listening to this, that your child is being bullied at school or is experiencing, um, anxiety or depression or things like that, or you're noticing kind of a shift in their attitudes and their behavior. Um, I hope that you will make steps that would, that would protect your child's mental health and really show them what it looks like to stand up in an abusive environment and let them know that they are free to leave. Um, and, and not only are we free to leave, but, um, a lot of times, at least for myself, I found that the alternative, um, which we're unschoolers, um, is so much better than anything that, that they have left behind. Um, and uh, as a public school teacher and an unschooling mom, I can absolutely say that a hundred percent, um, that, you know, I can't imagine doing life any other, any other way. Um, and I know that you mentioned unschooling as well. I know there are a lot of different types of homeschoolers, but, um, are you, do you consider yourself to be an unschooling family as well? 
So I would say that we are a mix. So I use um, curriculum to kind of help guide the three R's, so to speak, the reading, you know, arithmetic and the, and writing. Um, I'm really big on that. Like I want my kids to have those foundational skills because everything else, right. Um, they can learn everything else, but the unschooling part of it, we definitely unschool, um, for, with the kids, like we do a lot of business and we do a lot of things. Um, just one story in particular, I'll share on how, um, one of the things that we did. So this, this space that I'm in actually right now is two houses away from my actual house. And it, my mother-in-law was actually kind of the property manager for it. It was a rental and the owner decided he was going to get rid of his properties. And my 15 year old had a whole bunch of money saved up from his, from lawn mowing and newspaper routes and working at his job um, that we actually did as part of his homeschooling. He got to work side by side with the owner at a, at a restaurant, um, but he had this money set aside and he's like, you know, grandma, work me out a deal like with the owner. And we let our son buy this house. And so what he actually ended up doing then, I mean, he did all of the painting, he did all of the remodeling. He took down the garage. Like he, um, he, he did all the budgeting and the bill paying. And like, he did all of that, um, here in the house. And then, um, he had it all fixed up. Every room was remodeled. And then there ended up being a fire and, um, and we ended up having to gut the whole place. And of course you can about imagine he was just sick over it, yeah. but by that time he was approaching, um, you know, adulthood or whatever. And so he's like, well, I'm just, you, you know, he took the insurance money to get to replace his belongings. And then we took the rest and we refixed the house back up or whatever. And now I use it as my, uh, my recording studio basically. Um, but that is one way. Um, that we did it. And ultimately what ended up happening is cultivating, you know, his love of wanting to do that. He, um, he actually ended up buying his own restaurant at the age of 18. Um, and so he was running his first, bought and running his first restaurant at 18. He bought his first food truck at 19, his second location for his restaurant at 19. And now he's working on a third location at the age of 20. So we really fostered like his business sense. I mean, he had a desk in his room and he had, you know, the computer and the labelers and all that. And he, I mean, and that's what he loved. Like he fostered that he wanted a cash register for his birthday and that's what we got him. Um, and so that we really try to foster their, their strengths and their interests in that way. Um, and now my next son, he's 13 and he's got a lawn mowing business and a snow removal business. And that's, he just loves diving into fixing it and the mechanics and the, so, so we really, so we do it in that way. It's kind of an untraditional unschooling way, but that's what we've done is diving into real life, um, things. And that's how they've, they've been able to learn. So it's been awesome for our family. <laughs> that's amazing. So how old was your son then when he bought his first home? 15. Holy cow. Yeah, that's incredible. It was pretty awesome. It was a lot of fun. So yeah. And he was able to come over and work on it at any time because it was only two houses away. So yeah. yeah, he bought all the materials and I mean, he bought furniture and he bought appliances and yeah, he <laughs> really dove in. I think I I've noticed that a lot of unschoolers really, um, are driven to be entrepreneurs. I don't know if you've observed that as well as the, in the unschooling yeah. community, but it seems like a lot of unschoolers end up being entrepreneurs or starting their own businesses. I'm wondering why, um, have you observed that as well? And if so, why do you think that might be? So I have, and I'll, and this is my of course opinion. Um, but this is, this is, um, what I think. So in the schooling system, right. They, people are again, affected by having to worry about what other people think and they don't want to fail in front of people. They want to be accepted. Right. And unschoolers or homeschoolers, they don't have that pressure. And so they're able to just enjoy the process of learning. They're not usually being tested, um, to, you know, they, they actually just get to, hands on, um, put their knowledge to work instead of just testing and regurgitating. Right. But they don't have the pressure of, of fitting in and they don't have the pressure of school. And so what I see in my experience 
is that because they don't have to worry about what other people think and they don't have that pressure, they are more apt to take risks Mm. in terms of entrepreneurship and being able to go and dive because one, they have the time to dive into the topic and really go headstrong into learning. But then it's also because they are not putting up with the same pressures and the same stress of fitting in and worried about what other people think and things like that, that is then allowing them to dive head in and, and take those risks, take those chances. They, they aren't worried about failing or being bullied because they failed. Right. So I do yeah. believe that 100% that plays a big, big part into why we see so much of that coming from the homeschooling community. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, and so I know you have eight kids at home. Well, I guess five that are still school age. Um, What does a typical day look like for you as an unschooling family with five kids, five to eight kids at home? Um, So I, I work and run a business as well. So our day actually is not typical. Um, My kids like to do their work at night. So um, during the day, they are outside, they're playing, they're exploring. Uh, We have woods near our house. And so they will go down there and they actually groom the trails. Mm. Um, So they're down there and they're mowing and they're making trails and they're cutting down trees and they're doing all that stuff. And I'm, I'm working. Um, But then they're also on, you know, they're diving into their interests on YouTube, especially like if it's a rainy day, they're diving into their interests. And so my daughter will like come up to me and tell me all these fun facts about the human body or about the presidents, because that's what she wants to go and look up. And she knows all the facts about the Titanic. And so I let them do, you know, their, their exploration and their playing and their learning on their own time, like during the day, while I'm trying to get my work done and build my business. And then at night when they, they've been outside and they've done their thing and they're ready to just sit down and learn. Um, that's like when we will dive into like the curriculum pieces of it, where they'll sit down and they'll do their, uh, their math and they'll do their, uh, you know, reading exercises or whatever. So, um, and even then, like we use a mix between like, uh, like a workbook and then a computer program. So even the computer program is interactive and they're watching a video and then implementing. But like I said, that's only for just math, um, you know, reading, spelling, and then, um, everything else is just kind of, um, either I read to them or they will go and watch videos on on certain topics. So that's really what it looks like for us. And again, real world implementation, right? So like I said, my son who was, you know, doing the lawn mowing, like he's out there and he's working on his equipment and he's, um, you know, changing the oil and he's doing all of that type of stuff, studying on how, you know, lawns look the best, uh, things like that. So right now my daughter is actually learning how to build websites. Oh, cool. Uh, And I've got her um, and she's also learning how to put like designs and mock-ups for like print on demand. So I'm Mm -hmm. kind of fostering that a little bit with her and and showing her how to do all that stuff. So um, we're just kind of including that as part of our, as part of our homeschool. Uh Uh-huh. That's wonderful. I love that your children have all these different avenues to be able to practice and learn like true real life, valuable skills um, that, you know, people in the business world are wanting people to, that can know and do these different things, um, Mm -hmm. that are able to build a website, you know, as how old is she? 11. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She's 11 years old and building websites. Yeah, she did her first, uh, she was watching a video and of course doing whatever they did, Yeah, Uh, but she, yeah, she completed it. So she's, and I think she's done two now so far. So it's been fun watching. That's incredible. Um, is, so is she considering like a career in web design or is that just kind of like a fun hobby that she's interested in? Yeah, just something that, you know, I'm really trying to, so as I said, like I'm, I have my own business, so I'm really trying to foster in obviously the entrepreneurial spirit in her and letting her Mm -hmm. see how she could be creative. Cause she's more of the creative. Mm -hmm. She likes to sit down and paint. She likes to to draw and she likes to do those things. And so I'm like, okay, well, if we can foster like the design part in her, which again, you know, she can go and design things to put on t-shirts and coffee mugs, right? Like that's going to be in her wheelhouse to be able to go and design a website that's going to be in her wheelhouse. And so I kind of look at it as, um, you know, just giving her these options to be able to go in and explore these different things, much 
like uh, if kids were in school and they could go take electives that they find interesting, I'm kind of giving her that option kind of as a way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not calling it like an elective, right? But I'm saying like, hey, I've got access. Like I had to go learn all this stuff for my business. So I have access to this. What do you think would be interesting to you? And she's like, well, I'll go, I'll check that out, you know? And she's wanting to earn money. So I'm like, okay, well, come over here and learn how to build a, you know, sales funnel or website, whatever I said. And then once I know you're good at it, like I'll help you advertise and, you know, you can try and get clients. Uh, Cause obviously like that's my business is I, I teach people how to freelance. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to foster in her is like, you know, learn these skills and you can go and freelance and have your own uh, business and earn that money that you want to have. So uh, for her, it's just kind of dabbling right now, figuring out what she likes. What a wonderful opportunity to be able to share that with her. And um, it's definitely, um, I know you're teaching this to your daughter, but I, you know, as an adult, like I'm trying to figure out how to do all those things now, you know, like I've, I have started a website and I'm learning how to do, you know, web design and all these different things, but I can't imagine how beneficial that would have been for me to have at least started exploring those skills as an 11 year old and being exposed to, you know, technology in that way, or how we can use technology to be able to create a business or even, you know, work for someone else or start something myself or whatever. I mean, what a, what a gift to be able to give her that. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, you know, with the kids, like with my 18, well, he's 20 now, but I brought him to a business conference when I, when he was 18, we went to Orlando and he just, he just soaked it all up. Like he just loved being around other business owners and just loved that part of it. And so, um, my daughter doesn't know, but I got her, um, I'm, I'm hoping if depending on what happens in the state of the world right over the next year, but I'm hoping to be able to take her to that same conference next year. Um, Mm -hmm. because I know that more, more kids are going all the time and just to kind of instill that excitement. And so I really just try to immerse the kids in whatever, like whatever we're looking at, whatever their topic is, whatever they want to do. And, and I just think that that is so helpful for kids to be able to dive it. Cause this is the thing I really think, I mean, it just as us as adults, if there's something that doesn't interest us, like we don't pay attention, we don't want to learn it. We don't, you know, and when we are ready to learn it, like we're able to dive head in, you know, head first and like learn every aspect of it. And I think kids are definitely the same way. And so while I realize that they need exposure to certain things, and I know that that's kind of the purpose of what they do with school, but like, I feel that there's so much wasted opportunity for kids to actually dive in um, to different subjects and things that could set them up for the future um, with what they teach in the school system. Like we have Google now, like they don't need to memorize and regurgitate every piece of history. Like, I mean, how is who ruled England in the 1300s going to help them in any way, shape or form? Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I, and this is a completely different subject and I'm just going to say it while I'm thinking of it, but like, I think, you know, so often we see out in society right now how people are talking about how there's this huge income gap and the rich keep getting richer and and the poor and I think if the school system were to revamp the way they do things where they could take advantage of these minds that they are molding and actually teach them useful skills while they have them and especially the kids who probably won't have opportunity as they get older because of the situations that they're in or the families that they that they're growing up in like if they would foster that and take advantage of teaching kids these valuable skills in school and teach them how to make money instead of teaching them to just regurgitate information. Mm-hmm. I think we would be in a much different situation because the people who are rich, they've learned how to use their skills to make money. They've learned how to make money work for them. Yeah. And that's not what they teach in school. And so I think if, if we could revamp the whole system, like <laughs> we can solve a whole lot of world problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And, and it's true. I mean, I, I touch on that a lot in my book as well, just that the fact that the public school system was invented with the intention of basically creating factory workers, you know? Um, And that's why all these businessmen invested in the public school system because they wanted to produce kids that would do what they were told that could do repetitive tasks over and over and over really, really well. Um, And, you know, so they could work in these factories and live their lives and die. Um, and, and public school really wasn't designed to be able to teach or raise up entrepreneurs like what you're saying. And they're not, they're not learning 
these practical life skills, you know, like, like budgeting or investing or how money works or what credit is, you know, all these things that are so important as adults to be successful and be, you know, financially stable. And it's like, we're doing such a disservice to them by not giving them access to that knowledge and instead having them memorize, like you said, these random facts that we could Google in two seconds and who cares, you know? Right. Um, It isn't going to get them any further. It's not going to make them money, you know, unless they're going to go and be a historian, which I mean, when you, you know, really, if you go look at any graduating class, what's the percentage that someone's going to go and be a historian and need to know that information. It's probably 0.001%, you know, I'm probably not even that right. Like, and so I I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I think it's so important for people to like understand the disservice that really public school systems are having on kids. And so those parents who like, Oh, you know, I would like to homeschool, but you know, Oh, what if I fail them? Well, you're not going to fail them because if you can teach them real world skills where they're like learning how to build a website that they can actually go and make money from the minute they've learned it, like you're doing them a better service than the public school system. Who's teaching useless facts that they can Google, like you said, in two seconds and get the answer. Um, I, I just, I think that people need to look at things in a completely different light. I mean, we're sitting here in 2021, there's no reason why, you know, there's so many people in poverty and why that gap keeps getting bigger when the public school system is, you know, when they have this opportunity to actually teach people things that are relevant, um, that would make such a huge, huge difference in their life, but you know, they don't. And unfortunately we're stuck in this system where they, they haven't for whatever reason, um, figured this out yet. So, well, we're not stuck. We're not stuck in, um, homeschooling and unschooling. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are definitely ways that you can get unstuck. Like no. And, and that's something I try to share with parents all the time is that if you're not happy and your child is not happy, like if you're, I mean, if your child's coming home and they're miserable and you're fighting over homework and fighting over projects, like what is the point? You know, like if it's miserable, if learning is miserable for you guys, something's wrong. Like learning should be fun. It should be something that's exciting. It should be something that we're interested in and passionate about. Um, because then just like you said, you know, if it's something that we're interested in, we're going to learn it really fast, but if it's something that we don't care about, or we don't see the importance of it in that moment, I mean, it's going to be like pulling teeth and how miserable, you know, we, we only have one life to live. We may as well live it, enjoying it, having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Along the way. So that's, that's, I, I totally agree with you a hundred percent. I wish that more parents would understand, you know, and be able to have kind of that insight that you have, um, to be able to look at, at schools through that lens and see, I mean, it, it breaks my heart when I think about how many, days and weeks and months and years of these children's lives that we are literally wasting. I mean, they're in school, you know, I know some kids that arrive at school at seven o'clock in the morning and they don't leave until four. And, um, and I know you guys do your more formal schooling in the evening. How long would you say it takes you guys to do the formal part of your learning in the evening? No, we not very long. I mean, I would say we probably sit there for about an hour and a half to two hours, like actually sitting down and doing um, the work we've, and the beauty of it is that we've been able to do different things. Like I started out with, you know, like they had their, their books, you know, like I said, their workbooks or whatever, and they would sit down and do that. And then we moved into like, I'm just going to tear apart the books and give you the weekly folder. And then it was like, nope, let's do daily. And so we've been able to sit there and adjust to the different things that work for us. Um, you know, which you don't have that kind of flexibility when they're in school. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, I think too, not only does, you know, like you say this, the kids are in school for, you know, days and weeks and months on end, but it, it impacts them so much about what their adult life is going to look like. And so as we were just discussing a little bit ago with entrepreneurs, like there's so many people who have these amazing, amazing talents that they, that they just hold in because they don't think that it's something that they could go and turn into a business. They don't know how to run a business. They don't have the confidence to run a business. Um, and so I just, and not that everybody has to go run a business. That's not what I'm saying, but like, I just feel like there's so many talents out there that are being wasted because they don't get to, they don't get to foster because they don't have time either. You know, that's one thing like with my kids, with the way that we do with the way that they get to explore, like they have time to dive into their interests. Kids these days don't because they're sitting at school for seven hours a day. They're tired. They, they were forced to learn all these things that they don't want to learn. And now any type of learning outside of that is work, 
and and they don't want to do anything outside of that. I mean, I think there's a statistic out there and I'm sure you've probably heard it um, where once kids are done with school, like it's very common that they never pick up a book again. Mm-hmm. And so because they have they have um, uh, um, associated reading with learning and they've associated learning with pain um, because that's what they've gone through. And so unfortunately that they they don't move any further than that. And so um, I'm with you hundred percent when you're like, you know, Oh, I just feel so bad for kids. And I do and hundred percent because kids are just kept too busy seven hours in school, then they're in sports or whatever activities are in. And there's no time to foster the things that they really love. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's no time for them to really figure out what they love, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why we have these kids that have been in school for 13 plus years, and then they get to the end and they're 18. And now we're asking them, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And they're Mm -hmm. like, I have no idea. Someone else has been telling me what I have to do for my life for the last 13 years of my life. I haven't had it. I haven't had any freedom to choose what I want to do or to figure out, you know, what I'm really gifted at or what I'm interested in. Uh, and that's interesting that you say that too. And I just have to point out one thing that I've noticed with my kids is I very, very rarely ever hear the words I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And part of that is my, I deal with my older kids all the time and there again, and I have figured out the reason that is, is because with, when they're in school, like you said, they're being told what time they have to be there. They're being told when they can go to the bathroom, what they need to work on, what activity they're going to work on, what arts and crafts they have to do, what time they're going to have lunch, what time they're going to have recess. Like they have their whole day completely figured out for them. They don't know. So like when summer vacation rolls around, they're so used to being told what to do with their day that they don't know what to do with themselves when it's all on them. Mm -hmm. And so with my kids, like they're not kept to that rigid schedule of being told what they're doing all day long. So they've been able to foster that imagination and figure out what they're able to do. Now I do hear it once in a while. It's a rainy day. They can't go outside, right? They can't, whatever. There's times that I do hear it, but it's very, very rare because they've been used to having to um, have that time to keep themselves busy and whatever they want to explore. So there's something to be said about that as well. Mm, that's so powerful. And I, I, I appreciate you bringing up that aspect of boredom because I can definitely relate to that as well. Um, and that's something that we talk about from the beginning. Like I would tell my, my daughter, like boredom doesn't exist because boredom is the birthplace of the best ideas. Um, and so, you know, boredom doesn't exist here. Um, it's just, you have an opportunity now to figure out what you want to do next. And so there is no I'm bored, you know, like you get to create what you want to do now. And, um, and it is, it is definitely a a shift and a a huge difference that, um, that we experience now compared to, um, you know, the students that I see in school that, you know, if, if they're not doing anything for five minutes or someone else isn't telling them what to do for five minutes or they finish their work early, they're like, Oh, I'm bored, you know? Um, but, and, and going back to what you said too, about reading, that was, that was a, you know, I know you said that after they leave school, like they never pick up a book again, but my experience has been, and again, this is my experience. This is not, you know, everyone in schools, but I've noticed that, you know, most of my students don't even read the books that they're required to read, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, I know for myself, like I would read spark notes. Like I never read Shakespeare or any of those things. Like Mm -hmm. we were supposed to, but I was like, Oh, this is boring. I'm going to read the spark notes and move on with my life. You know? Um, so even the reading that they have to do, it's like, we're, we're again, that aspect of force, like when you're forcing someone to do something, if you have to force someone to do something, they already have that idea that if I'm being forced to do this, it's probably because it's not fun. Like it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. Like you don't have to force kids to play video games or force them to watch TV or YouTube for hours. Like, right. You know, that, and one thing that I've seen lately, and I don't know, um, I've been seeing a lot of like school board meetings have really made their way to the forefront right now on social media and on the news and things like that. Um, and even up a couple of years ago, uh, my friend had checked, had read a book that her daughter had brought home and she was just absolutely appalled at the content. Mm-hmm. And so even in some of these school board meetings, they're talking about like some of the parents of common concern. I mean, there's like pornographic um, scenes and things like that in these books. And it's like these kids are being exposed to things that they should not be exposed to at the age that they're being exposed to it. You know, I mean, we're talking like very, very hot topics 
um, awful stuff at, you know, seventh and eighth grade levels, which, you know, again, people have normalized that, oh, kids are going to learn this stuff because they're around other kids. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that they should from the people that are supposed to be teaching and protecting them. And it certainly, you know, shouldn't be something that is normalized at such a young age and, and the things that they've taught. So, you include that too with reading materials that kids find uncomfortable and don't feel appropriate, especially if they're not at the maturity level to handle it yet. And so there, I mean, that's a completely different tangent for another day, but it's just, it's something that is a hot topic right now with school board meetings um, that we're seeing across the country. So that's, that's something else for parents to be taking into consideration. Cause I know for me, my mom didn't read the books that, you know, I came home with from school and I didn't read the books that my older daughters came home because we just assume that the teachers have the kids' best interests in mind. And many do. Um, but there's sometimes where, where teachers just pick a book and say, okay, we're going to read this based on maybe a review that they heard about, but they aren't actually reading the whole book before the students are reading it with the students. And then there's this material that now they've seen and you can't unsee it. So Yeah, that is very true. I remember um, my first kind of realization um, about kind of this like questionable reading material. I was actually teaching first grade and um, one of the required readings for this first grade for the first grade class was a book about a girl that had lesbian parents. And I just remember thinking like, why of all the books, like of all the books that we could be reading, you know, to first graders, they're like five and six year old kids. Like, why are we reading this book about this controversial topic that doesn't apply to anyone? Like in our class, we didn't have anyone that had lesbian parents. Um, so it didn't apply to anyone that was in our like direct classroom and like just seeing that. And then seeing, of course, the high, uh, the flip side, you know, when I'm teaching in high school, I'm seeing them reading you know, they read books, like they read The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if you've seen that TV show. I, I couldn't even finish it. I mean, it was so like, it was so graphic. And I know that the, the show doesn't even dive into nearly as much depth as the book does. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, hearing and seeing all these high schoolers, you know, they're like 14, 13, 14 years old walking around with this book that I, as an adult, couldn't even watch the show. I'm just like, I can't even imagine you know, what these children are, are reading and like this, these things that they're soaking in. And it's not that, again, like you said, it's not that we shouldn't be talking about these things or, you know, exposing them, I guess, to different things or whatever. But I I truly believe, you know, as you mentioned, like not every child is ready for that when they're five or six, not every child is ready for that when they're 13 or 14. Like, and, um, and it is, it is concerning to think that I'm entrusting my child to some stranger in some system Mm -hmm. and God only knows, (laughs) you know, who they are or what, what, you know, what agenda that they have or what belief system that they have that might, you know, conflict or not be appropriate for, for my own, what I would want, you know, my child to, to be exposed to at that time, you know, or in that way. Yeah. And one thing that I think about too, that, you know, a lot of people don't really necessarily think about because we, we automatically go to the fact that like, oh, they're a teacher, you know, we should trust them. Mm -hmm. But how often in the last several years have we seen superintendents and teachers and principals and janitors and all these people being arrested for um, luring children and whatever. And like, these are playgrounds for these perverts. And while for the most part, teachers are um, trustworthy, I mean, a majority of them are there's still people that we should be leery about as parents and it's so amazing to me how like I just you know we're always like oh I don't know if I should let my child go to that friend's house because I don't know the parents or Mm -hmm. I don't know if I should let my child go do this because I don't know them people yet we go and drop them off in a classroom with the teacher that we've met for, um, you know, the welcome back night. And it's like, uh, like you don't know what their morals and their values are. Like you don't know anything about them and you are letting them basically raise your child for nine months out of the year and you know nothing. Um, and so it's just so, I mean, and, and I'm guilty of it, right? Like I did it with my older kids. Um, but it really got me thinking, you know, as I started to see in more and more materials and just different things that have come out, obviously, um, and even in in the scope of my career, uh, and and obviously from different aspects of people who had incidences with 
teachers or, you know, some had really amazing teachers and it affected their whole life. Um, but it is something that parents just go in and like, yep, I'm going to trust you, even though I don't know anything about you. And mm-hmm. the, and the way they teach can have an effect. Like you said earlier, how some, some teachers engage in the harassment and the bullying and, and here's these kids who were in this, um, level of, you know, they have to listen to authority and, and whatnot. And it just, there's just so many different aspects of school that can have a positive or a negative effect um, that people don't think about. And so uh, when people come at me like, oh, all these different reasons why my kids should be in public school. And I'm like, yep, you can try, but I will talk you under a bus. Anything, <laughs> any objective that you have for me, I will give you two back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think parents is just super important for parents who are watching this, who are looking at, you know, they're researching information, whether or not something like this is for them. Um, just definitely know that there are, um, there are reasons why public school is not the be all or end all. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we definitely have very good reason to be concerned about the state of our public schools, not, you know, not just to mention all those, these issues that we've brought up already, but even the results that they're producing. I mean, I can't tell you how many seniors I've had that could barely read or barely write a coherent sentence, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's very shocking. And I think I, I, I've said before, this is like probably one of the greatest things to come from COVID is the fact that I feel like for the first time, parents are really reevaluating. Why are we doing what we're doing? Like, why are we, why are we doing this in this way? Why, are we teaching our children these things? Why are we sending them into this kind of environment? Why are we, why are we doing any of this? And Um, they actually got to witness it. And I'm just going to throw it out there. They actually got to witness it from watching the way their teachers interacted with their children on the zoom calls and seeing how that actually went. And actually, and a lot of parents were appalled, right? Also then some of them that were like, oh my gosh, well, I've got them here and we can sit here and do this much easier, like on our own and actually realize like, oh my gosh, I am capable and it is so enjoyable and oh my gosh my kids are better behaved and like all of these reasons <laughs> that came with that like it's just it's it's been so much fun um not that 2020 was fun but like watching people have this reg- revelation you know i truly believe like the pendulum swings right and so i feel that the pendulum swung all the way for the public school and now it's starting <laughs> to swing back to bringing kids back home and bringing parents back home and of yeah. course that also, you know, with, with, um, working from home and all of that stuff too. So, um, yeah. I just think that we are coming into a different time in society where I'm loving that homeschooling is becoming more accepted. Um, and that people like yourself are coming out and, you know, you're, you're showing off your talents and bringing this information to people, because I think it's definitely going to help change the world and the way we, the way we're doing things right now. Absolutely. And um, I know we have like both of us, you know, share very similar concerns about the public school. I'm wondering, do you have any concerns about unschooling or did you or do you have any concerns about unschooling? Um, You know, I, I, I do and I don't. I would say I don't in this in the sense of parents who actually are taking their children's education seriously. Right. Um, it, it, it would be concerning for parents who are just like, ah, I'm just going to keep my kids home and we're just going to call it unschooling and don't actually foster that learning or don't do anything with them. Um, but if, if, if it's a parent who's like, yeah, obviously I want my child to succeed. Right. Um, then obviously like it can be done in so many awesome ways. Um, and I think that it's kids can learn so much better with hands-on and ex- life experience than they could ever learn in a book. Um, I always find it so fascinating. Um, when I am like re when I see some posts or whatever for people that have their kids still in public school and they'll be like, Oh, I wanted to take my kid to Washington DC, but I was told it's going to be an unexcused absence because you know, it's vacation. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like they're going to go to Washington DC and they're actually going to see and hear and experience the history you can't get that from a book, but it's going to be unexcused. Like, so I just, (laughs) that's like one of the examples that I think is just so mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely advantageous, um, over anything else. If it's done, um, if it's done the right way, right? Like if, if a person really fosters their learning, and, and doesn't just, just go explore the world. And, and we're not helping to foster that at all. I think that's kind of where I think about it. 
Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, a lot of people think that unschooling is like unparenting that you're just kind of like, let me just wash my hands and we'll let you do whatever you want, you know? Right. Um, and, and it's definitely not that I think, um, being intentional is a really important piece of unschooling. Um, just like you mentioned, I think it's funny. You were talking about going to Washington, DC. I actually, I live 20 minutes from the white house and, um, that has actually been one of my, my favorite parts of being on this unschooling journey is I've, I was born and raised here. I've lived, um, you know, in Maryland my whole life, right outside of Washington, D.C. And um, part of the reason why I, I, I try not to refer to us as unschoolers, because I think it says more about what we're not doing as opposed to what we are doing. So um, that's why I created the term peaceful world schoolers, because I felt like that communicated more what what we're about, you know, as a family. Right. Um, but really being able to view the world as our classroom and Um, Not just feeling like, you know, learning has to be confined to this book or to these four walls in this building, Um, Mm -hmm. but like the whole world is really open to us. You know, it's actually last week um, we, I learned that um, Harriet Tubman was born and raised here in Maryland and I had no idea. Like I've lived here my whole life, never knew that at all. And so I like planned a field trip for us and I took a group of kids and we went to go see where Harriet Tubman was born and they have those like museum and this really cool Um, thing there. And like, um, and they have a lot of different, you know, underground railroad stuff that's related to that. And so I've, I've been planning every week, like a different, you know, trip field trip or whatever that's related to Harriet Tubman and the underground railroad. And, um, and it has been so fascinating for me as an adult, you know, it's like, not only is my child getting to have these experiences, but even though I've, I've lived here my whole life, I'm getting to have these experiences and I'm learning for the first time too. You know, I, I didn't know that Harriet Tubman's name really wasn't Harriet Tubman. Like, did you know that? You know, this is the thing I may have at some point, but when I was learning it, I didn't care. Yeah. Right? Like that was kind of the thing. And I, and I talked to my husband about that all the time. I'm like, you know, I said, like, I probably learned a lot of this stuff, but it wasn't anything that was important to me at the time because it was yeah. being forced where, you know, even like with my daughter coming at me with presidential facts, did you know that? No, I did. I didn't, but like, she's loving it. Cause she's diving into it on her own. I'm not forcing her. And so I think there's a lot of things that we remember when we're interested right? versus things that we just probably suppressed because it wasn't important to us at the time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I love that, you know, as an adult, like we're getting to learn these things too. I feel like unschooling myself has been such a unique part of this journey. It's like not just my daughter that's getting to experience learning what she's passionate about, but that I get to do that too. And I'm wondering how have you been unschooling yourself in the, in this process and in this journey? You know, it's interesting. I would have to say that a lot of the unschooling process for me has been um, learning, honestly, like how destructive the school system was to my older kids and, Mm -hmm. um, and just seeing the difference in my younger kids, like the confidence that they have, the zest for learning that they have. Um, just the fact that like, they're happy. I mean, I I brought my 11 year old to her well child check or whatever, and they already do like a depression screen. And I'm just thinking like, she doesn't even know that like, she doesn't, she's, she's not exposed to depression. Right. And so I'm like, it's just, it's such a different world to, um, to, to, to see that. And so for me, it's been a whole world of, just seeing the difference in my older kids versus my younger kids. And, and a lot of people don't get that experience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's been my unschooling experience has been just really learning what the world has to offer, um, at, at a completely different level when you allow yourself to explore and not put yourself in a box. Um, I think it's very important that people should get rid of the box, right? Because I, we're, I don't believe that we should be a one size fits all because mm-hmm. we're all far from one size fits all. And so that's one thing that I've really learned in unschooling is that we all have a different journey. We all have a different story and we should be able to foster that the way that we see fit, not, not us trying to all fit into the same, into the same box. Yeah. So that's really what I've learned on my, on our journey. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And I I would love to ask you too, is there anything that you wish that you would have done differently? Um, in terms of with the, with the younger kids, um, I don't, I don't think so. I think we've got, we've gotten a pretty good, um, 
groove going. Like, I mean, I'm seeing they're happy. Uh, they, you know, they're starting to see success already um, in terms of just even a, in a forward moving for their career, potentially. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I think I've, we've learned along the way, but for the most part, I think it's been a pretty positive journey. And I can't say is that there's anything that, um, that I, that I would regret or that we would have done differently. Um, I would say that if I was to have done anything differently, it would have been to start sooner. <laughs> uh, it would have been to have done this with my older kids and save them from the turmoil that I know they still experience. So, um, that would, that would probably be the number one thing is starting sooner. I hear a lot of homeschooling parents say that, you know, when I ask them if they have any regrets or if there's anything that they wish that they would have done sooner. And I can't tell you how many times they say that exact same thing. I wish that I would have started sooner. I wish I would have started sooner. And, mm -hmm. you know, for parents that are considering homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling for the first time, it, it can, it can be scary and a little overwhelming, you know, cause you're, you're starting something new. And, and I know for most of us, we don't have any experience with homeschooling. So it's kind of like that weird space of, am I doing this right? You know, are, am I going to mess up my kids? Like we have all these fears ourselves of, of, you know, the choices that we're making and how that's going to impact, um, our children. And so what advice would you have for someone who might be considering unschooling? So I guess my biggest advice for anybody that's considering unschooling or homeschooling in general would be um, that you, especially those who are concerned that they might screw up their kids um, would be to just imagine like there are hundreds of thousands of schools all around the country. And if you were to take your child from the school that they're in and move them to a country or move them to a school across the country, those two schools aren't going to be teaching the same thing. So if you're worried like, oh, my child's going to miss out on something, mm. they're probably not because no two schools are going to teach the same, the same thing. No two teachers are going to teach in exact the same, in the exact same manner. Uh, you know, very rare that, you know, half the class is going to pick up the same information that the other half of the class picked up mm. and we have access to Google. And so, I mean, we can, the kids can access Google and find out anything that they feel that they missed anything that they feel um, they could learn more about. And so I think it's just truly parents think that these kids have to learn and regurgitate all the things that, um, you know, these benchmarks or these standards. And it's like, no, if they need to know it, they have the ability to learn it like that. They don't have to go and, you know, check out the Dewey decimal system at the library to like <laughs> learn it in a book. Right. Like, I mean, we have access to literally every possible thing that we can know. And even though the schools might touch on some subjects, you could go Google it and they will not have even touched on a fraction mm -hmm. of what they could have actually taught about a subject. And so don't let that fear of, you know, not teaching enough or not teaching the right things, um, worry you because I think, you know, I told my dad once, my dad is, is a farmer and, and he was kind of, he's old school, right? So he was kind of concerned about it. And I told him one day, I said, dad, I said, when you interview somebody to come and work on the farm, I said, do you really care that what they learned in their algebra class? Or do you care what kind of person they are? And I think that when we are schooling and we have the ability to raise our children to be decent human beings and we teach them to love learning, they can go learn anything. Um, and I think that is the most important piece of it. So that's kind of my, my rant there on that. <laughs> oh my goodness. There are like so many beautiful things that you, that you said, I just, I hope everyone goes back, rewind, listen, listen to that part again. I mean, there was so much wisdom and insight that you shared with us, Tara. And I had never thought about that before either that, you know, even if my daughter were to be in school, she's not learning the same thing as someone in, in a school across the country, or even in the classroom right next door, like they're right. having two totally different experiences. And, um, you know, a lot of parents worry about gaps in things and, of course, there, there are going to be things that our children finish school and that some kids learn and some kids didn't, even if they were to be in the same classroom the whole way, you know, just because of what you yeah. said, that there's some things that we care to remember and some things that we just don't, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right in what you said to your dad, that at the end of the day, it, it really doesn't matter if you can graph a quadratic function or if you know what sublimation is, like, okay. you know, we, we 
it matters more about, you know, the kind of person that we are raising as opposed to what, what they're they know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who they are is infinitely more important than what they know. Exactly. Um, Cause you can go learn it, right? Like you can't, you can't change someone's personality or their experiences. You can't take away the bullying. You can't take away those negative experiences or their self-esteem that was ruined or yeah. all of the other things. Like you can't change that. You can always change what they learn. You mm-hmm. can always add in what they learn. You can't take away what what, what their experiences are. You can't change that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that you said that, that you also, in addition to homeschooling and unschooling, that you have your own business. I wanted to give you um, some time as well. If you wouldn't mind just sharing with us a little bit more about what you do and kind of what services you might provide that perhaps someone in my audience is interested and would like to connect with you and learn more from you regarding, you know, your business. Yeah. So I have been working from home for 20 years now in different ways. Uh, and so I actually founded the work from home revolution. That's what my Facebook group is called my Facebook page. Um, and I help people, uh, get out of the typical nine to five, um, so that they can be where it matters most. And so for some, you know, a job is the only option. So there's remote jobs. Um, but I also teach that, uh, they can take their skills and launch their own freelancing business for those who are creative. Um, they can launch a product business or e-commerce, or there are people who like yourself who have expertise in something and they want to build an audience and they want to um, share with the world the things that, uh, that they know how to teach really, really well. So I look at those as like the four foundations for being able to work from home. And so I try to help bring all of that um, information to people so that they can, uh, they can take that and, and, either work from home in a job or in a business in the way that they see fit. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I do it. Uh, One of the reasons why I actually started this was because of my son being born um, with Down syndrome. Uh, We were actually in the hospital for a combination of about like six months, like overall. And I saw a lot of kids were in the hospital by themselves. And I remember asking the nurse, like, why, why are they all alone? And they said, well, mom and dad had to go back to work. They ran out of vacation or sick leave. And it, I just remember like feeling like, you know, someone punched me in the gut. Cause I'm like, if my child was in the hospital fighting cancer or sick or having to have a heart transplant, which a lot of these kids were in there for, and I couldn't be there like, uh, the, you know, there's that guilt, right? Like we all suffer with parent guilt. And so I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I need to figure this out so I can share it with others so that they can be where it matters most. And so that was really what launched me to come out and do this and help people. Um, And then there's, and then it just kind of trickled down from there, all of the different experiences that I had and the reason why I launched it. Um, And one of them being homeschooling, because we didn't start homeschooling until after that journey. And it was like, oh, you know, parents, they're dealing with, you know, how do I work and how do I homeschool and how do I do this? And so it was just one of those deals where like, you know, you can have it all. Um, You can work from home, you can have your business, you can have freedom, you can do all these things. And there's just so many options available for people, which again, is why I said, uh, we shouldn't try to fit in the box. There's an answer for everything. If you don't want to be in school, you don't have to be homeschool. If you don't want to be at work, you don't have to be, you can work at home. So mm-hmm. lots of options for us to really look at changing the trajectory of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we once thought was the only way, um, we now have a completely new way to approach life and to move forward. So I love that. That's wonderful. And you're absolutely right. We are not stuck in the things that we want. Um, we really can take actions to be able to have those things right now. Like we don't have to wait until we retire in order to be able to live a life that we truly love and to be able to share that life with our children. Um, and so if, if someone is listening and they would like to connect with you, I know you mentioned work from home revolution. I love that name. Um, (laughs) so you have a work from home revolution, Facebook group. How else can someone connect with you? Uh, yep. So I'm, uh, at Tara Busha on Instagram. Uh, and then, uh, you can find me on Facebook as well under the same name. Um, and like I said, my group is the work, the, we have to, I think there might be, um, variation. So it's the work from home revolution. So, um, I actually have it just to give them an address. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the WFH revolution is the extension for my page. So awesome. And I'll make sure that I put that link in 
in the show notes. So anyone who's interested in joining Tara's group and getting connected to the amazing work that she's doing and hopefully helping you find a way that you can work from home. Um, I'll make sure that that's in there so that you can um, join her group and be a part of her story and connect with her. Um, and yes, and continue, you know, exploring and living out the life that you truly love and uh, living it on your terms, thinking, living, dreaming outside of this box that we've kind of been trained to, to keep ourselves in. So um, thank you so, so very much, Tara, for, for sharing and for talking with me tonight. I feel like I, like I could talk for hours longer about I know. the school system and unschooling and all of these things. I mean, it's, I know, I feel like we just touched the surface of, right. of what's possible when you choose to to remove that force and that coercion from a child's learning and you truly give them the gift of educational freedom um, mm. and time educational freedom and time is a beautiful gift to give our, our little ones. So um, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you so much to my listeners as well for joining us for this podcast episode. I hope that this episode has been as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Um, and Tara, I would love to have you on the show again in the future. Um, and just so you can continue to share a little bit more in depth about, um, about your, your journey and your story and, um, the amazing work that you're doing with all eight of your children and kind of following them as they grow up and see, um, you know, what, what turns out for, for their lives and how, how things end up for them. So we'd love to have you back. Oh, I'd love to. This has been a blast. I love being able to talk homeschooling with people. <laughs> it's it's fun for me. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, make sure that you subscribe so that you will not miss a single episode. I have new episodes that release every Tuesday. Um, so make sure that you subscribe and uh, please share this episode with your family and friends and anyone else that you think would benefit from hearing a message of, of freedom and fun and connection with, um, with your children and with yourself. Um, have a wonderful day and I hope that it is as wonderful as you are. Bye. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.